This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, praise the Lord. Tonight we're going to go into part two of failure to thrive. Hallelujah. We don't want to be of those who fail to thrive. <laughs> I was thinking about, uh, as we were worshiping, I was thinking about, you know, when we become Christians, I was thinking about the military as compared to signing up for the Lord's army. You know what I'm saying? So when you when you sign up for the military, some people sign up for two years, some people sign up for four years, some people sign up for six years, and some people get out of the military, then some people re-up, you know, da-da-da-da. But when we become part of God's kingdom, it's supposed to be like a forever thing, you know what I mean? Every once in a while we have to rededicate if we get stupid or something, we have to rededicate, say, Lord, I'm still, I'm still here, you know. But when we become... Uh, Believers in the Lord's army, man, this is a lifetime thing, you know. Takes us into forever and then forever, ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, let's open up with prayer tonight. And we will piece this thing all together. How's that? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word is what changes our lives. Your word is what gives us faith. Your word is what gives us instruction on how to live this life on this earth. Your word is our guide. It's our comfort. Your word teaches us day by day, Father, how we're supposed to act, what we're supposed to do. And your word changes us, Lord, from glory to glory. So, Father, as we break forth your word tonight, bring it forth and break bread together, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart that understands. And we receive into our spirit what you have to uh, sow into our lives tonight. And Satan, we declare you not steal the word sown in Jesus' name. Amen. So, remember this morning. How many were not here in the service this morning? Not here. A couple of you. Okay, this morning we talked about failure to thrive. And I told you that it was a medical condition usually found in infants where they fail to gain weight. And uh, it can be fatal. And so the Holy Ghost showed me a couple weeks ago that many Christians uh, are failing to thrive. And it can be fatal. Then I gave you the hi Daniel. I was just thinking about you. Then I gave I then I gave not not that you're failing to thrive, but I was just thinking about you. <laughs> hi, because I saw you this morning and I thought, oh, Daniel's back. Good deal. Okay, hi, say hi Daniel. We're glad you're here, Daniel. There you go. Hallelujah. I'm just going to say this because I am. Daniel is a single young man, awesome guy. Some of you ought to be inviting him out to dinner with you after service on Sunday mornings if he's not going to go home and sleep, because sometimes he works. So I think he would like that. You probably get tired of eating alone, correct? What did he say? He can't hear me? What did he say? I can't hear him. Somebody already did. Yay. Okay. Well, make it a point. These single people around here, you need to invite them out to dinner. Either take them out to dinner or, you know, invite them over to your house or something. They get tired eating together. You know, what are you going to look at? Your plate? You know, anyway, that was just, that was all for free. So, anyway, so we talked this morning about failure to thrive. And we talked about how the sower sows the word. And we talked about examining our hearts and seeing what kind of hearts our souls are. Whether we're 
thorny ground or whether we're rocky ground or whatever we are, you know, all that kind of stuff, or whether we're good soil. So I'm going to continue on with this uh, tonight. So think about your own life here for a minute. Whatever it was that brought you out of the pit of hell and despair in your life, whatever it was that you did to get the victory in the first place, you must continue to do. You must continue to do and not only continue to do what you did, but I would I would uh, dare to say and even add to that. okay? because you need to constantly be growing. Let's look at James chapter one, verses 12 through 25. I'm in the New King James tonight. James one, 12 through 25. We're just going to read some word here together. Okay, you ready for this? Verse 12. Blessed is the man. Oh, this is good. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Remember, we talked about the deceitful riches, the lust of other things, entering and choke the word and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. What did we talk about this morning? When the, when the word was sown, what did they do? They all, they heard. Whether it was sown on the, rock, the rocks or whatever, the weeds or whatever it was sown on, they all heard. So this says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Souls, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, say continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in what he does. Isn't that cool? That, that kind of sums up everything I said this morning in a nutshell, doesn't it? But we're not going to stop here. We're just going to keep on keeping on, okay? So look at Revelations chapter 2. And I go back here to the end of the end of the whole thing. Revelations 2. Well, there's a pesty fly in here tonight. Revelations 2. Verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampshades. Jesus says to us, I know your works, your labor, 
your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, the Lord says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. In order to thrive, we must keep as our number one priority, our first love, and that's Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember where you came from. You know, sometimes we get take for granted the mess that God got us out of because we're not living in that mess anymore, and we take for granted the lifestyle that we have. But he tells us, Remember from where you came. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly And remove your lampstand from its place, but unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So, we've got to keep our first love. Amen. So what, I'm asking you a question, what did people who were on fire for the Lord do? What did they do, people that were on fire for the Lord? Just say, for example, when you first got born again, what did, what, what was your, what was your, what was it there about you? Your, what did you do? What was your attitude? Anybody give me a, give me an answer and yell it real loud. Katie. Yeah, this isn't going to work because I... Okay, you wanted to be hungry for the word. How about if I come up here with you? <laughs> I happen to have a bigger table. <laughs> okay, so let's say it again. You wanted to read the Bible anytime you could. In other words, you were hungry for the word. How many can attest to that? Hungry for the word, man. We just can't get enough of it, right? What else? Sabrina. Yeah, tell everybody you know. You just you just can't stop but telling everybody. Amen. It's awesome. What else? Henry. You're focused. Okay, you're focused on the Lord. Yep. Yep. Focus. Desiree. You're at church all the time. Amen. Katie. Yeah, that's good. She said she said we kind of test ourselves. We read something in the word and we say, "Wow." I wonder if this really works. And so then you then you step out and you do that. And she talked about tithing, you know, and we see that, you know, God, does this really work? You know, that's cool, because that was a thing that I had. I said I said tithe and give because they trust God with everything in their lives, including their money. Anybody else have something that? Yes. Adriana. Joy. Yeah. 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 Uh, Diana. Peace instead of chaos in your life. Amen. Marcella. What? What'd she say? Worshiping the Lord. Yeah, you're worshiping the Lord. You never worshiped the Lord before. Who would have, you know, who would have thought that? But isn't that cool? Katie. Oh, she lost it. Okay, that's okay. You'll find it in a minute. Okay, so that's what people did, did past tense, when they first got on fire for the Lord. Yes, ma'am? Yeah, forgiving everybody, man. All of a sudden, you get the love of God, and you know, 
Woohoo! You're just forgiving everybody. A little forgiving machine. Woo-hoo-hoo. All right. So now, what do people do who continue to be on fire for the Lord? What do they do now? Henry. Okay, you're not as emotional about stuff, but you're just focused and you believe the word. You're growing in the Lord. Alex. What? Continue praying. Okay. Walter. Sharing the gospel. Yes. 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 Anybody? uh, Desiree. Working in the church. Amen. Anybody else? Maxine. Becoming a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Amen. Okay, well, I had on continuing the word. Tell everyone what happened to them and continues to happen to them. But your testimony grows and expands. You know, one thing that I noticed about when you when you mature in the Lord, I mean, witnessing becomes your that's just what you do, you know, and it's, and, and, and in a way. It's like it's no big deal. Like the first time you start witnessing to people, man, I got a testimony, you know, da, 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 da. Then you think, yeah, that's the lifestyle we live. We're always telling people about Jesus. You know, we're always waiting for the, you know, looking around, getting our little antennas up, you know, thinking, is there an open door here? You know, and so we continue to do stuff like that. They're in church every time the doors open. They continue to tithe and give because they trust God with everything in their lives, including their money, which is what I said to begin with. They serve in the church however they can. Right. They may not experience. This is what Henry said. They may not experience that warm, fuzzy feeling anymore of Jesus is right here with you. But they keep on because they have matured. And trust in the word of God and not a feeling because Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we don't have to. Do you remember that time, though, when you first got born again and all of it? I mean, you felt Jesus was just right there with you. Man, I mean, just so awesome. Then all of a sudden you wake up and where'd he go? I mean, we all experienced that. That's a cool thing because that means that you've matured. That means that he wants you to know that he's here, whether you feel that he's there or not. You've matured enough to know what the word of God says about all that. Okay, so. What are the characteristics of Christians who fail to thrive? Christians who fail to thrive. What's the characteristic of them? Sabrina. They're offended easily. Yeah, that's a biggie. They stay away from church. Henry. They hear, they, sometimes they hear, but they're not doers of it. Melinda. Their fear. They become fearful. Is that what you said? Okay, they become fearful. Yeah. Anybody else? The question was, what what are characteristics of Christians who fail to thrive? Uh, Kathy, way back. What'd she say? Excuses. Yes. Excuses. Yeah, full of excuses. Amen. Okay. Let's look at uh, Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25 says this. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So how can you be exhorted or how can you exhort somebody if you're not in the house of God, right? 
Let me give you my little, little list. Some of you already said this. Their attendance falls off. They have a million excuses of why they can't make church. People who fail to thrive. They lose their hunger for the word of God and the spirit of God. There's no joy in their life. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing, Adriana, for you to lose your joy? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Their tithing and their giving falls off. God can't rebuke the devourer for them. They don't show up to serve in positions they sign up for in ministry of helps, nor do they even bother to call and say, I won't be there today. And so then everybody is running around trying to fill your spot because you decided that, you know, you're not going to do it anymore or whatever, but you didn't bother to tell anybody. Then people who fail to, fr- to thrive, you find out that they're murmuring and complaining about church. I talked about this this morning. They have someone or something to blame for their failure, so they blame the church, the pastors, the people in the church. <laughs> Isn't that pathetic? The people who gave them life, the people who loved them, the people who helped them, the people who, you know, da-da-da-da, it's crazy. Everything in, in their life happens on a Sunday, which gives them an excuse not to be in church. I'm sick, the kids are sick, and on and on it goes. So if you're finding that genuine stuff happens to you on Sunday, you need to start pleading the blood of Jesus over your Sundays. You need to say, Satan, stay out of my Sundays, stay out of my kids, stay out of me. You need to take authority over your Sunday, okay? Because the devil's going to try to steal you from coming to the house of God. So you need to make sure that you smarten up and you say, why is it that my kids always get sick on Sunday? Why is it that I'm always not feeling well on Sunday? Well, there's a reason for it. We have an enemy. It's named Satan. And he tries to pull stuff on you during the, during what should be service time. And his goal is to steal the what out of your life? The word. He wants the word. doesn't care about you. He'll make you sick. He'll make your family sick. He doesn't care. He just wants the word out. And if you fail to come to church, then you're not getting the word. And therefore, praise the Lord. Okay. Psalms 119, 165. You need to see this with your own eyes. I was going to uh, just quote it for you, but you really need to see this. In fact, you ought to probably write it in the front of your Bible whenever it knocks on your door. that You can say, where was that scripture? Then you can look it up really quick. Psalms 119, 165 says this. Great peace have those who love your law and love the word. And nothing causes them to stumble. King James says, Nothing shall offend them. You can always tell when somebody's starting to get offended that their word levels are low. It's like a test. You can take it to the lab, you know, like a blood test, you know. You can take it to the lab. Whenever somebody's starting to get offended, their word level is really low. That can happen in your own house. You know, you start, and husbands and wives start getting ticked off at one another more than they ought to, you know, da 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 da. And then one of them will be smart enough to say, Your word level's low. At which point you say, shut up. No, (laughs) they're usually right. You know, your word level's low. So great peace have they which love the word of God and nothing shall offend them. Amen. That's pretty cool, isn't it? They become uh, people who, uh, let's see, what's my little title here? I got a characteristics of Christians who fail to thrive. They become complacent. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care that, you know, I'm not showing up for church. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. They get complacent. Okay, they may become, they may be or become immoral. Someone made this statement to me in a meeting the other day. I don't know if it was one of you kids or if it was pastor said, 
You tell me if it was one of you. Morally bankrupt people may be extremely talented and have great value in the natural, even above others who may be holding the position that you're thinking you should have. But you have disqualified yourself because of your immoral lifestyle. Did you say that or did you say that or did that? You said it. Katie said it. It's the truth. You disqualify yourself because of your immoral lifestyle. I, you know, I'm over Ministry of Help, so, you know, I redo the manuals all the time. So I have a new thing under the guidelines. Must live an exemplary Christian lifestyle both in the church and out of the church. You know, you can come in here and play the game. But, you know, when we see you out in the highways and the byways, when we see you walking into the tavern, when we see you, whatever it is you're doing, then uh, that's not living an exemplary lifestyle both in the church and out of the church. You know, it's simple to be a Christian. You just you just be the same all the time. Take all the pressure off. Right. You don't have to live two lives. You don't have to be a what do you call people that have two personalities? What are they called? What? Bipolar. You don't have to have two dis- dis- personalities. You just be the same all the time. Hallelujah. It takes all the pressure off. Amen. Hallelujah. OK. There's a difference. Pastor said this. There's a difference between being skilled and trained you know, whenever you come into the church and you, we put, you know, and you're in a place of position, there's a difference between being skilled and trained in that position or being anointed in that position. The anointing removes the burdens and destroys the yokes from off of people's lives. And I think about uh, children's church and, and nursery areas and I think about youth. You know, uh, God doesn't like it. You know, he says, where, oh, gosh, I wrote that down somewhere, but I don't know where I put it. Um, Jesus said, if anyone offends one of these little ones, it would be better for a millstone to be hung around their neck and for them to be thrown into the ocean. You know what a millstone is? You ever seen one? They grind. They're great, big, huge, enormous, heavy stones with a hole in the middle. And they grind corn and stuff. Very, very heavy. So you can imagine like a piece of cement around your neck, you know, and being thrown into the thing. So to me... If you're not living in an exemplary lifestyle of a believer, both in and out of the church, and a child or a teen or somebody sees that person out in the highways and the byways and they're cussing up a blue streak, using the F word and all kinds of other kinds of stuff, you just blew that kid away. Jesus isn't happy about that. Or if they see this child, you know, you're at the grocery store and you're buying liquor or something. Jesus isn't going to be happy. And this child or this teen sees that. Oh, that must be okay because, you know, my teacher does that. Well, no, it's not okay. And God's not happy with you. And so, you know, we've got to, we've got to quit horsing around and quit conning each other and quit conning God. We're going to live this life for Jesus and we're going to live it right. Amen. 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 Okay. Look up uh, Ephesians 4.27. Ephesians 4.27. Ephesians 4.27 says this. Don't give place to the devil. That's profound. Isn't it? Simple. Don't give place to the devil. As you mature in the Lord, you realize what's your thought, what's God's thought, and what's the devil's thought. 
And once again, I just want to remind you that when the devil comes to you with his thoughts, he tries to make them think that it's your thought. And he comes to you in first person and he'll say things like, well, I don't like that person anymore. They're, you know, and they did. So then you go tell Sister Bucketmouth over here that what the devil just spoke to your thing, making it think that your thought. And pretty soon, you know, you got some destroyed people because of somebody believing that the devil, what the devil said to him, which wasn't the truth at all. So you give no place to the devil. Amen. Ephesians 30. Look, just look down there a little bit to this. And it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, we can grieve the Holy Ghost. And that's a horrible thought. Then that hurts your that hurts me to thinking about me hurting the devil, the hurting the Holy Spirit's feelings to grieve. The Holy Spirit means to hurt his feelings, you know. He becomes not happy with us. He becomes disappointed in us. And I don't want to grieve the Holy Holy Spirit, do you? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And then, uh, oh, that one about the uh, the millstone, and that's in that Matthew uh, 18.6. A lot of times people that uh, fail to thrive and stuff like this, they, they make excuses for everything. Well, everybody else is doing it, you know. I mean, golly, we live in the 21st century, you know, get a clue, you know, the Bible's old and God's old and, you know, da-da-da-da. So we're just going to do whatever we want to do. But that's that's excuses. Um, you know, some people say, well, God didn't really mean that. Kind of like they're trying to tear the Constitution apart. Well, they didn't really, founding fathers didn't really mean that. <clears throat> but the founding fathers took a great deal of time to pray. And the Holy Ghost told them what to write in the Constitution. So they really did mean that. And so God really did mean what he said in the word. Malachi 3.6 says this. You can just write this down. God never changes. That's what Malachi 3.6 says. He never changes. doesn't matter what century we live in. doesn't matter what's quote-unquote acceptable. doesn't matter what quote-unquote is the quote-unquote law of the land. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, that doesn't mean that we don't have to go along with it. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, amen. God never changes, so who has to? We do. We aren't the great ones. We aren't God. We weren't the creator of the heavens and the earth. You know, (laughs) sometimes we're pretty stupid, actually. You stop and think about it. God never changes. His word is the same day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. So, you know, we don't need to we don't need to do what the world does. We don't need to do what Hollywood does. We don't need to accept what's on TV. Tell you the truth, I don't even know what these new shows are on because I never watch. We never watch new shows. We watch old shows where they talked about God and the Bible. Even in old cowboy shows, they talk about the Bible. They pray. They you know all this kind of stuff. Back in the day, back in the 50s and the 60s, when when God was still in society, it was even in Hollywood. What do you think about that? Isn't that something? And you can't start watching cowboy shows that are in the 70s because that's when they introduced all the nudity and junk in the cowboy shows. So that's just a clue. So you have to watch them pre, you know. Anyway, so much for that. Okay. What are the characteristics of people who thrive? Somebody. Characteristic of somebody who continues to thrive. Adriana. They witness. That's true. You just become a witness. You know, you can't even help it. You're just, you know, <laughs> it's just part of it. Marcella. What? I can't hear. You bear fruit. Right. What kind of a fruit, fruit do you think a Christian bears? 
Joy. Yeah, fruit of the spirit. Yeah, that. Yeah, that stuff. Love, joy, peace. Uh, Daniel. You're blessed. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. You're blessed and you know it. Not only do you know it, but everybody knows it. Jesse. You're at the service anytime the doors are open. Walter. What? The the tax of what about them? Do you think you say the tax of the devil increase on you? Well, what do you do about it? What? You become more and more victorious because you kick him in the teeth, right? Spiritually. There you go. Amen. Yes. Maxine. What's she saying? The glow. That's right. That's right. Have you ever been in the store or something and somebody says, what is there about you? There's something about you. Have you ever had that happen to you? And it's just the anointing of God on you. You know, you're just out there minding your own business, but you don't realize that we radiate Jesus. You know, there's something about us. We don't look tormented like the rest of the world. And so people are drawn to us. That's cool. Rayliana. We're a lot more joyful, aren't we? Yeah. Do you ever have problems? Yeah. So what? We know the problem solver. Amen. Amen. When does God come through? Always. He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Oh, awesome. Okay. So I'll tell you what I had written down here. Characteristics of people who thrive, they continue to grow and mature in the Lord. You can't be stagnant. And we talked about the stagnant pond this morning, how stagnant water, you know, and there's no life in it. You have to continue to grow. You know what I'm saying? And mature in the Lord. Um, and I said this, they still continue to grow to the point where they don't feel, feel Jesus with them all the time. Um, you can write this down. Hebrews 13, 5. They have learned that just because they don't feel his presence, that he is still with them. Because the word says he will never leave them or forsake them. We, we've talked about that. They begin to serve him by faith. By faith. Why? Because they've learned some word. Right? And, and word's kind of cool. It's like, you can liken it to... Uh, Railroad track. Okay, so here you are. You're learning the word on various subjects. Well, as you're doing that, you're laying down track. Okay, so as you're laying down this track, this track represents your faith. So you're able to walk out on this, you know, hey, this stuff really works. And as you get more word, you lay more track. As you mature more in the Lord, you know that stuff's, you know, Jesus, he's got the victory, period. And you just keep laying track and you just keep walking out on that as your faith increases, right? Amen. Oh, that's good stuff. Okay. They continue in the word even if they have to force feed themselves the word of God. Because sometimes you get to the point where, oh, I don't really want to sit down and read the word today. You know, you just kind of get complacent. But, no, you have to force feed yourself. You know, sometimes people in the hospital, they they give them intravenous something or other. That's force feeding them. Sometimes we have to force feed ourselves the word of God. You know, Um, pastor and I, man, we need to we need to find a way to duplicate all this word stuff. But 
back in the day when they had tape players, we had tapes on on not, the word on love, nothing but love scriptures, the word on healing, the word on finances, the word on relationships, you know, da, 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 da. We just play those suckers all night long. You put it on reverse and it plays it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And even though you're sleeping, your spirit's awake. So you wake up in the morning and whoa, you're ready to conquer the world because you got all this word in you. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you can play you can play CDs, you can, you know, you know, turn on your, your DVR, your YouTube, whatever. Listen to Brother Hagen. Boy, that'll put your socks back right on you, you know. So listen to him. That's that's good stuff. Listen to and Dr. Barker. You can find him on there. You know, just different things. So, you know, force feed yourself the word of God. First uh, John 1, 9, you should all know this, but let's look at it just in case you don't. First John 1, 9. Well, I gotta get there. Okay, first John one nine says this. Oh this Bible's new and my pages stick together and I'm supposed to be in John I'm in Peter. Get over there. Ugh. Okay, first John one nine says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, verse 10, that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That doesn't mean you need to go around telling every Tom, Dick, and Harry your your stuff, you know. Tell the Lord, you know. But it's so cool because it says they have learned, you know, uh, believers, strong believers learn that if they make mistakes and fall on their faces, they can go to the Father and say, Lord, I really blew it. You know, they confess their sins to the Father, and He is faithful and just to forgive them and to pick them up and dust them off and send them on their way. You know, a lot of times uh, people go through this thing where, oh, I just can't forgive myself, I can't forgive myself. Well, well, do you think you're greater than God? Because if God said He forgave you, then you need to just flat out forgive yourself too, because you're not greater than God. And God said, I forgave you. So you forgive yourself too. You know, learn from your lessons and try not to be an idiot and go out there and do the same thing, you know. Uh, people who thrive don't give up on God. They don't get mad at everyone around them. They pick themselves up. They dust themselves off. They ask the Lord to forgive them for, for missing it, and they start anew. His mercies are new every morning. Every day you wake up, it's a new day. Um, Ephesians 4.11. We, bought, we ought to look at this one. Ephesians 4.11. You've all heard this before, but it's so nice to see it with your own eyes. And Jesus gave himself, gave himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. You know, we talk about this. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, 
but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So I've seen people lately, not anybody in here, but just people that I'm acquainted with, on Facebook, they don't go to church, but they follow some knucklehead on the Internet who God only knows who they are. And they have these stupid, stupid beliefs. And I think your problem is you don't have a church and you don't have a local pastor. And they get off on a tangent on one subject instead of coming into the local church and being fed a smorgasbord of everything. You know, you come in here, you get your healing, you get your finances, you get your family relationships, you you get a full course meal, you know. From time to time, we're always preaching on different subjects. And so you get a full thing. So you're you're a, you're a well-rounded Christian, you know, maybe some more some than others, but that's OK. OK. Anyway, that's cool, though, huh? So they have to have a pastor. Um, they take ownership of the church and its property. Right. They start saying, well, my church instead of your church. They'll say, well, my church is at my church. We. You know, where's your church? Well, my church is da 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 You start taking ownership of it. You treat it like your own house. If there's trash on the ground, you pick it up because, after all, it's your house. Amen. They treat it as their own. Um, they continue to tithe and give. They keep Jesus as first priority in their life and the life of their family, and etc., and he remains their first love. Amen. You have to strive at this sometimes because sometimes life gets busy. Like I was thinking about Donnie a minute ago when he was up here giving his testimony. Donnie has a very busy life. He has his own business. He's got all these people to. Hi, Robert. He has all these people that he's tending to. You know, da, 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 da. life gets busy, but he has to purpose and focus, like what Henry said, to keep Jesus first place in his life. And that's what we all have to do. Sometimes it doesn't come naturally. We have to focus and purpose that we, I am going to keep Jesus first place in my life. Um, Hosea 4, 6. I'm not going to look this one up. But he said, the Lord says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then he says, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject your children. Which breaks my heart. And you think, oh, God, you're mean. But no, that's just what happens in the course of things. If you reject God, then Naturally, your children, if you reject God, you're not coming to church anymore. You know, you return to your old sinful ways or whatever. That affects your children, because if you're not coming to church, they're not coming to church. Right. You're not coming to get the word. They're not coming to get the word. And so it's not so much that God rejects them. It's just that because of the parents actions, these children are, are, are suffering. I mean, what kind of an idiotic. Christian parent would quit serving God and their kids go to hell. I'm telling you, if you don't care about your own self, you ought to care about your children. You need to care about your children. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, Mature Christians are teachable and correctable. How many love to be corrected? Good for you, Sabrina. Good for you. Some people like it. Some people don't. Oh, don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. But, But the word says that God... Corrects those that he loves. 
God corrects those that he loves because he wants us to stop making the same stupid mistakes. However, sometimes if you correct somebody as a pastor or something like that, they get ticked off and leave. They really do that. But as pastors, we have to get to the point where, okay, if we approach this person, they may get mad and leave. But you get to the point where you say, if they leave, they leave. At least their blood's not on our heads. You know what I'm saying? You have to get to that point as a pastor that you say, you know, this guy needs corrected or this gal. So whatever. Okay. Let me see here what I can jump over. Remember we talked this morning about um, the seepfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering in, choke the word. Remember we talked about that? Well, I, I got to thinking about this. these people um, back in Indiana. We had, we had this older couple, and they really had great potential. Great potential. And they moved from Indiana to Florida. And they moved back to Indiana so that they could be part of our church. That was their reason for moving back. In the meantime, they purchased their first house. There's nothing wrong with purchasing your house. But every Sunday they couldn't come to church because they had to work on their house. So you know what happened to them? He ended up dying of a heart attack. And she ended up all by herself. She couldn't afford to keep the house. So they lost the house. Now, isn't that pathetic? So we can't put our first love into things. You know, you can't take the things with you to heaven anyway. The things on earth are nice to have if they're a tool to use for the Lord. But, man, that was that was really bad. Um, if what you have in life takes place, takes the place of God, and you fail to thrive, you may even die spiritually and naturally. Remember I talked about Ananias and Sapphira this morning? You know, hey, they were in the church. They were born again. You know, they were serving God, blah, blah, blah. And then they decided that, hey, they were going to sell this piece of property. And they told Peter, duh, the Holy Ghost, we're going to, we sold this piece, piece, we sold this piece of property for, let's just say, uh, say they really sold it for 30000 But they told Peter and the Holy Ghost they sold it for 10000 So they lied to Peter and they lied to the Holy Ghost. They could have easily have said, well, we sold it for 30000 but we're going to give 10000 of it into the church. You didn't have to lie about it. So what happened to them? They just flat out dropped dead right in the middle of the church and the ushers had to haul them out. And they had to bury him outside the church. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't just doesn't pay to be dishonest. There are no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. No shortcuts. The same way we get where we got where we are in our faith, the same way you have to get where you are in your faith. There's no shortcuts. God is no respecter of persons. That's in Acts 1034. He's no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of his word. If you're standing on that word, you got two Christians, okay? You got a Christian here that sits around balls and squalls all day long, has no faith. And then you have a, a Christian over here who says, This is this is the word of God I'm believing on. This is what I'm trusting God for. So this guy over here gets what he wants. This guy doesn't. Does that mean that God loves this guy more than this guy? No. It just it means that God is a respecter of his word. 
So that's why it's so important that you have a lot of word. Um, Galatians 6, 7, we don't have to turn there. We're going to close this down in a minute. Don't fool yourself that you can get away with sin because God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You know, and you're responsible for your own dumb stuff because you can't go blaming it on everybody else. Your junk, your sin will find you out. You know, even if you think you're out there and sitting and nobody notices it. I always, you know, God always sees number one, but there's always somebody looking out their window. There's always somebody that can hear you. There's always somebody, you know, so just behave yourself. Bottom line, I, I we said this this morning. I'll read it to you. Mark 8, 34 through 38. Whosoever desires to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself. You are bought with a price when you become a believer. Your life's not your own. You know, does that mean that you have a horrible, miserable life because you gave your life away to Jesus? Heavens, no. You become so fulfilled in life. It's just the most awesome thing in the whole wide world serving God. So we, we deny ourselves. And we take up our cross and we follow Jesus. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. That's like the rich young ruler in the Bible, you know. He goes up to Jesus and he says, oh, what's it going to take to serve you, Jesus, you know. And Jesus says, well, give away all your stuff and come and follow me. And he never did. Because his stuff was more important to him than following Jesus. Isn't that interesting? And once again, it's not that Jesus doesn't want you to have stuff. But God knew that with that rich young ruler, that the stuff had him. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference between you having stuff and stuff having you. A good test is, are you willing to give it away? Then you find out whether the stuff's got you or you've got stuff. Where'd Katie go? I can't even ask her this question. I'll pretend like you're Katie. Okay, Katie. So you just got a brand new car, brand new SUV. Nice, nice, very nice. Uh, but sister so and so over here needs it. Do you want to give it up? Give it, give it to her. Either or, you give it away. Why? Because stuff doesn't have you. You have the stuff. See, that's when that's when that's when you that's when the rubber meets the road. Are you give it, willing to give it away? Whoa, that's pretty good, huh? Yeah, pretty good. I'll finish. I'll finish. Mark chapter eight goes, goes down here. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So we get lost in Jesus. Man, isn't that a cool place to be? How many of you regret your decision to be a Christian? How many people regret that? Can't talk you out of it. Man, it's awesome, isn't it? God is an awesome God. God is an, oh man. And you know what? He gets better all the time. He just gets better all the time. Hallelujah. Well, I am done. Does anybody have anything they want to share since we're kind of open talking tonight? Anybody have anything they want to share? Or, oh, that, I'd like to kill that fly. I'll share that. Somebody get me a fly swatter and he'll be gone. You're all doing good? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Well, let me come to you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Go ahead. Even though I'm going through a fiery trial, I'm encouraged. And I'm going to keep going forward. Amen. I know that Jesus is with me and 
He'll see me through. Amen. He will. He will. You know, sometimes you have to you have to you have to uh, live this faith life by yourself. You know, when my kids were in school, not so much the little batch, but the big batch, my two older boys, uh, Jason and Ben, um, their dad wouldn't let me put them in a Christian school or homeschool them. So they went to a public school. But I taught them how to stand alone. You need to learn how to stand alone, whether you're an adult or whether you're a child, because you're not going to stand before Jesus and say, well, it's this, you know, you know, I could not even going to fly with Jesus. It's between you and Jesus. I taught my kids how to stand alone. So I told them, my, my Jason and Ben particularly, I told them, OK, so you go to school and they ask you to write a uh, they used to do stupid stuff back then. We probably it's probably worse now. Oh, right. They used to have, their assignment was to write an assignment on witchcraft. You know. And I said, you're not writing an assignment on witchcraft. You know. So I told the teacher, I said, they can write an assignment on angels, but they're not writing any assignment on witchcraft. And I also told them I would rather you take an F on an assignment than to compromise your your walk with the Lord. And write some stupid thing that they're, you're, you know, the ungodly are telling you to do. You stand alone. And uh, my son, Ben, you know, he's the big one. <laughs> That's how I have to demonstrate him to you because you don't see him all the time. So Ben was in high school one time. He's 40 some odd years old now. And this was in Noblesville, Indiana, a nice little town. And uh, the uh, in some class that they had. They brought in person that had uh, weird sexual things, you know, to talk to the kids about. So ben, ben got just stood up and walked out of the classroom. He got an F for the day. I said, good for you. Good for you. Then one time he told me he was over at his dad's house and some visitor from the church that my his dad was visiting came over. And they and, and this person said at the, from visiting from this church, well, we don't we don't. Uh, we think that abortion's okay and da da da. And Ben just spoke right up. He got in trouble for being rude, but he didn't get in trouble for with me. I said, Good for you, Ben. You gotta teach you know, you learn how to stand alone. You know how to stand up between you and Jesus. And with these kids, when you go to school, you don't have to put it you know the Bible, good Lord. You you go to High Desert Word Center, you've been hearing it since you were knee high to a grasshopper, you know what the word says. So when you go to school, you got to have the wherewithal. It's just you and Jesus. You stand alone. If everybody else in that entire classroom makes fun of you and laughs and giggles and calls you names, hey, they laughed and giggled and called Jesus' names too. You're in good company. They lie about you, so what? They lied about Jesus. You're in good company. You need to learn how to stand alone. Okay? All right. Well, let's close this down and... Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.